Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Pastor Pete here. Great to be with you this morning. I've been on vacation, and so it's great to be back uh, and be with you. Hey, I just want to kind of give you a reminder um, today that tonight we are having a an evening service starting at five o'clock. Um, we're going to be studying the Gospel of Mark, so I want to invite you to come out to our Lemon Grove campus at two seven seven zero Glebe Road in Lemon Grove. I uh, would love to see you guys out there tonight. We're going to have social distancing; it's going to be outside. Um, we'll have some shade, and we have the whole thing ready to go um, for you guys. And so we're excited. We even have a little playground if you want to take your families and let the kids run around in the in the closed playground. We'll even have that uh, for you guys available. So I'm hoping to see you guys tonight. As uh, we're going to be online every Sunday morning. Uh, still the same time at 10 o'clock on Facebook and, and all the other pl- platforms that we have, but we also will be Sunday evening again at five o'clock. So I want to invite you to, to come on out. Julie and I would love to see you. We miss you guys uh, uh, when we got back down in the shelter in place, but uh, God is going to be faithful and he's good. So just want to invite you out tonight. Hey, we're going to jump back into Second Peter. I know we took a little hiatus from it. We're going to go back to Second Peter. We're in chapter two as we finished chapter one uh, last time. So if you have your Bibles, open up to, to Second Peter chapter two. We're going to be looking at uh, verses one through three this morning as we talk about and go back to our sermon series called Grow as we look at the destructive teacher. Hey, I don't know if you remember that show called Duck Dynasty. It's about a family that made its millions selling uh, duck horns and blow horns and, and duck decoys. Uh, they made a lot of money doing that. And what happens is one of their duck decoys, they're so real that hunters would buy them and that they would go out and then put them in the water and they would look like a duck. They would quack like a duck. They would act like a duck. And for a hunter, that was a great thing, this great decoy, because the real ducks end up being dead ducks because they can't tell the difference between the real and the fake. The apostle Peter in Second Peter chapter 2 is writing and warning about some decoys that are out there. They look good. They sound good. Um, they appear genuine, but they want to exploit people for selfish gains. And in fact, the apostle John writes this in 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit But test the spirit, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Hey, I I just want to take a break a little bit and and, and give you kind of some catch up of of where we were in chapter one to help us understand chapter two. So I just want to do a a, a little review with you uh, to get us caught up. We know in chapter one, uh, Peter is the author of this book. It's at the end of his life. He's writing his kind of last memoirs here. And what it is, is um, he's really, it's like his last narrative, his last story, and really wanting to remind and encourage the people there. We read that in one fourteen that he talks about it's at the end of his life. But what he does, he speaks about what our development. In fact, he talks about seven supplements that were to add to our faith. And I want to read that in 5.3. He says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness love. And for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And then what does he do? He closes off the chapter in chapter one with an exhortation to trust God's word because it was written by men who were moved by the Holy Spirit. We see that in verses 20 and 21. This is actually the feeder to, to chapter two because there were prophets and teachers that would be found among them, among the brethren who brought these dis destructive heresies. Chapter one focused on divine development and chapter two focused on apostate deception. See, this morning, the first three verses are an overview of the chapter. And he's writing that we might be mature enough to see what a false teacher looks like because we live in that day where there are a lot of false teachers out there trying to have influence on us. In fact, Hebrews 5.14 says this, but solid food belongs to those who are full of age or grown up. That is those who by reason of us have their senses exercised to discern, to tell the difference between good and evil. That's what a mature believer would do. He'll able to discern the true teacher and the false teacher. So I want to just read uh, chapter two, verses one through three of Second Peter, so we can get into it this morning. We'll pray in here. It says, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of the way of truth will be blaspheming. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words for a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. Let's pray and we'll just ask God's hand upon our time. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy and grace. And Lord, as we enter into your presence by studying your word, we're praying your Holy Spirit would instruct us to give us the things we need to understand your word. Father, to help us discern the times, to be able to discern the true teacher and the false teacher, false teacher, that God, we would understand your word that gives us an outline. It gives us the answers and, 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 and the blueprints of those who have gone away and what they're doing and compared to the truth of your word and how we're to live in it and walk in it and be able to discern those things that are true and those things that are a lie. And so I pray as we study Peter's words, Lord, it will speak to our heart in light of the context that we're living in. 2,100 years later, Lord, we're learning still that there's people out there speaking a false gospel. We have to be able to discern that. So we thank you. We, we praise you. Uh, we honor you uh, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In verse 1, you're going to see here, destructive teachers preach a false gospel. Destructive teachers preach a false gospel. Listen, verse one, it says, but there were false prophets among the people, even as there was false teachers among you who secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. If Satan cannot destroy the church from without, because we know that the gates of hell will not prevail in Matthew 16, eight, then he will infiltrate the church and attack it from inside. He will use counterfeits to destroy the church by diluting the truth and the deity of Christ. That's how he works. And so the first thing you see in verse one is the fact that false teachers are present among the fold. They're present in the church. And so what is Peter doing? He's referencing there will be a false teachers among us or in the church as there were false prophets in the past among God's people, the Israelites. What is it? We're seeing a history repeat itself, that there's always an attack of the enemy since the fall to infiltrate and to pollute the things of God. 
We know a prophet is one who spoke on behalf of God. We read about that in Jeremiah 35, 15, Hosea 12, 10, and he predicts the coming events. And that's why we have prophecy about the coming Messiah and, and all that was going on. We know that in Hebrews 1, 1 in the New Testament, it confirms the work of the prophet of the Old Testament because it says this God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers, what? By the prophets. And so in the Old Testament, they had to contend with false prophets. We understand the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal and Jeremiah had to confront false prophets as they spoke untruth messages when they spoke about peace, peace when there was no peace. And then when you go into the New Testament, Jesus gives warnings to the, his followers that, that there was going to be pro, false prophets that will be dressed up in sheep's clothing, but are ravenous, ravenous, ravenous wolves, he says in, in Matthew 7 15. We know that Jesus shared a parable about the wheats and the tares in, in Matthew 13. And, and that story kind of goes like this. It was a, a farmer who went to, to sow a seed in the field and that seed was to bring forth wheat. And, but at night an enemy came in and, and he, he, he sowed tares. Who was that enemy? That enemy would be Satan, who we know oftentimes dresses as an angel of light. And when the wheat is ready to be harvested, there are tares among them. And so the farmer comes and says, hey, there's tares and wheats together. Should I, should I rip them up? And the Lord said, no, don't do it because you might rip up the wheat with the tares, but we will separate that time at the harvest. And then he goes in Matthew 13, verse 27, he begins to break down the understanding of that parable by saying this, he, Jesus said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. That's Jesus. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the terrors are the sons of the wicked one or the enemy. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the terrors are gathered and burned in the fire, so will be at the end of this age. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is sharing this. In the church, you will find imposters of the faith. You will find imposters of the faith. They're going to be among us. So, what is, who are these imposters and what is it? So we know that these false teachers, these imposters have a message. We see that in verse one, right? There's a story by a woman by the name of Ashley Dispin was arrested when she was visiting a friend in jail and wanted to give him a Bible. But what appeared to be spiritual and noble was her efforts to struggle in marijuana and methamphetamines in the binding of the Bible to her friend. She was peddling poison is what she was doing. These false teachers that are among the church or appear among the church appear nice, and, but they're peddling poison. Their words are half-truths and, and they're poisonous like sweet Kool-Aid that, that may lead to death. What do these false teachers do? Number one, these false teachers preach a false gospel. The Bible says that they hear in, in 2 Peter 2 verse 1 that they do it secretly, it says in the scriptures. They brought it in secretly. They do it under the radar. They're, they're beginning to bring in these messages and introducing these heresies in a secret manner. In fact, the message is destructive heresies described here. The King James Version calls it damnable heresies. What, what, is, what do you mean by heresies? What, is the, what does that mean? The word heresy actually translates to make a choice 
or be a sect or a party, to choose a, a specific tenet or belief, to, to hold the, the party line. Like think about the Sadducees and the Pharisees and then the believers at the time. They had certain views that they held on to. In fact, Galatians 5.20 describes heresies as a work of the flesh. Heresies basically are self-designed religion lies which leads to division and factions. Like, let me share some of the things that were going on in the early church that will give us some ideas of what was happening. That in the early church, when somebody came to, to, to faith, it was by grace through faith. But what was beginning to happen in the church, number one, is they wanted a lot of those Gentile believers to become circumcised so they could be saved. That they were having them jump through this hoop of works in order to them to be a part of the, the family of God. You know what? We have to be careful that we're not making our people jump through all these hoops in order to, to be saved. That, that's not the true teaching because we're saved by faith. We're not saved by works. We could often do that with the sacraments that we practice in the church. For example, one sacrament might just be baptism. Baptism can be the form of our circumcision today that in some ways people think if you're not baptized, you're not saved. Now, I'm not saying baptism is not important, but the act of baptism doesn't save you. But the act of baptism is our obedience to what God has commanded us to do. It's symbolic of his death, burial, and resurrection. And in obedience, we're identifying with him through baptism. But the actual baptism or the actual act does not save us. It's our obedience and our faith to follow God that saves us. But oftentimes, we want to rush to get our kids baptized when they have no idea what that means because we think that's what we need to do in order for them to be saved. But you know what? I could dunk somebody in the water and bring them back up, but they could still be the same person if it's not of faith, if it's not of the Spirit. And so the early church had to address this work theology because false teachers, the, the, these, this group of circumcision brothers were coming in and bringing slavery and bondage to this teachings. In fact, Galatians 2.4 says this, this occurred because of the false brethren secretly brought in who came to be what stout to spy out the liberty which we have in Christ Jesus that they might bring us into bondage. You know what these false teachers, they just put more heaviness on us. They put more rules on us, what we eat, how we live, how we walk, what we do, where we can go. It's just bondage. There's no freedom. We know that where the spirit is, there's, there's liberty. But there were other heresies that were going on in the first century church. A lot of them begin to question even the, own, the, the idea of the deity of Christ, that, that Jesus was God. There was a, a group, the Gnostics, I mean, they, they practiced Gnosticism. They believed that all material was evil. So Jesus couldn't have been a part of the creation or created the material world. Jesus in the flesh could not be God because he was human and thus he had to be evil. Oftentimes these Gnostic believers would twist scripture to fit their own theology or their own belief system. But even the apostle John in 1 John chapter 4, 3 begins to even address um, that manner. He says, every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God and that he is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is already in the world. There was a spirit of Antichrist or a spirit of anti-God. And so we had these false teachings. But we know a lot of these false teachers will also deny the core tenets of the faith, right? As we address here, they didn't believe in the deity of Christ, that Jesus was God. Some of them don't even believe in the sinfulness of man and that men are, are basically good and, and that over time men will, will get better, right? They don't, some don't even believe in the inspiration of scripture and its, and its authority in our lives and that it's with, without error. 
Some deny the atonement of sin for sin and, and some even reject the death, burial, and resurrection and call it a myth. And they walked away from justification by faith, meaning we're saved by, by grace. Some deny the existence of hell and, and judgment and Christ's return. As we see in chapter three, they're gonna mock that very issue when we get into chapter three. Like Unitarians and Jehovah Witnesses and, and Mormons, Christian science all have a different view of Christ. Even some evangelical churches have moved away from orthodoxy. They, they bring this false gospel. Some of these false teachers preach this easy gospel, a feel-good gospel, that in Christ you can become a better you, that the fruit the true fruit of faith is health, wealth, and prosperity. You know what? We can be easily entertained by them, but we're careful that we can't discern what they're teaching. And for the sake of relevancy, many of these teachers compromise holiness and truth for the sake of the culture, for the sake of adding to the church. You know, I don't want people just to come in our seats or come online and, and just come because, you know, that they're, they're being entertained and because you could come into here and be entertained or come to a place and be entertained and not be transformed. The gospel is about transformation and some of the messages of those false teachers don't bring transformation. They even speak that the true Christian faith is without suffering and difficulty, but even Paul writes to a young pastor named Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. It says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. A lot of stories, a lot of things that we hear today that are crazy these teachers are bringing. Fables. But also we have to understand that these false teachers will self-destruct. We see that at the latter part of verse one. These once redeemed believers, the Bible says they were bought, they were purchased. Maybe they came to faith and they strayed away or, um, or God offered his sacrifice and they didn't receive it, whatever it may be, whatever you want to interpret that. But there was some connection to the fact they, that they heard the gospel. It kind of reminds me like when, when, when God brought the people out of Egypt in their bondage, he, he freed them from their slavery. He, re, he redeemed them out of their captivity. Like Jesus redeemed us by the cross, by the shedding of blush. Why would we be foolish enough to go back into slavery? That was the problem in the wandering in the wilderness when, when they began to complain. We, we had it better in, in Egypt. We could have ate the fruit. We, why'd you bring us out here to die? Sometimes we forget the goodness of God that we go back into our mess and into our, our slavery and into legalism and into all those different things when God has set us free. What these false teachers are doing is really bringing their own judgment upon themselves because they deny the, the Lord and his work. You know what the greatest sin today is? Is to refuse to, to submit to the Lordship of Christ. We will self-destruct if we fail to let Jesus be Lord and Savior. Lord, the, the head of us, the authority over us and Savior, the one who rescues us. Then the Bible says they're going to be a swift judge, judgment or a quick destruction will come. Their time is short with their charades. Family, there's only one gospel truth. 
There are not many ways to God, only one way, because Jesus is the way of the truth of life. And that way is through Jesus. Jesus is the mediator between man and God. He is the only way. We are saved by grace through faith, through the works of the cross. It is not a work of our own. And so we have to be careful of these false teachers, number one. I think number two, destructive teachers will lead many from the truth. We see that in verse two, look at verse two. And many, circle that, and many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. You know, when you were young and you took your children out to the amusement park and you told them to stay close to you, but because of the excitement of the day and the activities of the park, right, they would be enamored by what they saw and they were easily distracted and wandered from you. And you find that happening here. Many who are not rooted in the faith are easily distracted by the lifestyles of the false teachers, are easily drawn away from the faith, not able to discern the true teachings of the scriptures. First Timothy chapter 4, 1 says that now, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, Latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. What's going on here? What, what's really happening here? What's happening is many, again, I'm ready to you circle many, many will be enticed by these false teachers' lavish lifestyles. It says when they, they, they followed him, that many followed their destructive ways. Many followed them. The word follow means to mimic or to comply or yield to one's authority. They were like the Pied Pipers of the day. They're even like the Pied Pipers today, right? The phase that they follow their destructive ways can be defined as pernicious ways or licentious ways. The false teachers were living in ways of sexual immorality. They were living actually contrary to the gospel, that they weren't practicing sanctification. They weren't practicing holiness. In fact, the false teachers were taking on the very characteristic of the Greek culture. We have to be careful, like our lives don't look like the world. We don't live like the world. It's not how far can I get away with sin and not cross the line, okay? It's not, you know, we have to be careful of that, that mentality. I know that we are saved by grace, and if we fall short, where grace is sufficient to cover us. But even if Paul the Apostle began to address that issue is that do we keep on sinning that grace may abound? God forbid, no. That's not the heart of the believer. That's not the, the, the way the believer lives, Many of those who are watching these teachers at times were beginning to me even mimic these and follow these false teachers and living in the same manner as these false teachers. For these false teachers, it's not a life of the cross and not a life of sacrifice, but a life of what? Fancy cars and fancy suits and fancy homes. It appeals to the flesh and they want to be served and not to serve, Right? We are to be, as believers, intimate with Christ. And Jesus was described as a servant who was rejected without a home, suffering servant who died for the sins of men. That's our pastor. That's our shepherd. That's our teacher. That's our rabbi. That's his characteristics. That's who we see. We know Paul the apostle, when he traveled, he was beaten and shipwrecked and homeless and hungry for the faith. Eventually, he got his head cut off. I don't see that as health, wealth, and prosperity and comfort. They sacrificed their lives for this gospel. In fact, Jude 1.4 says this, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago marked out for their, 
this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They weren't living for the cross. They were living for themselves. We see that as the characteristics of these of these false teachers. And because they live like that, these false teachers bring shame to the gospel. Their way of living will discredit God's truth. True Christianity is maligned. In fact, in Romans chapter one, it gives us a picture of the culture of the day. And we read later in Romans chapter 2, 24, that the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Meaning that you were living such a crazy life contrary to what God is standard with living that even the Gentiles said, whoa, man, look at your life. I thought you were a Christian. I thought you were supposed to live a certain way. Even the world has a standard by which we're called to live. That's why they call us hypocrites when we don't meet that standard. And and even the scripture says some of the things they did was even the Gentiles thought like, whoa, that's sick, you know? They were like, I wouldn't even do that. Michael Green, who wrote part of the Tyndale commentary, says this, their teachings were flattery, their ambitions were financial, their lives were desolate, their conscience was diluted, and their aim was deception. Listen, our lives as believers are living testimony, and we are read by those around us, especially us teachers, especially us pastors. Our lives are to make the gospel attractive to those who are, are watching us. Some of you are watching us online. And may our words match up with our actions. You know what? A true shepherd, and this is why I teach you on this passage, a true shepherd teaches the whole counsel of God. 2 Corinthians 4.12 says, we reject all the shameful deeds and underhand methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. I'm trying to make the word plain and just bring it as it is and it falls where it may for you to hear that. And so they, 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 they lead in such a way that many follow them and they fall away from the faith. Lastly, destructive teachers will exploit people for selfish gain, Second Peter 2 and 3, it says this, by covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words for a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction not slumber. You remember seeing that bumper sticker he who dies with the most toys wins. That was the philosophy of our day. And I'm sure that's kind of the philosophy of this day. And it's in the church. Many of these false teachers were using God's money for personal pleasure. Just watch your television. Watch these televangelists that request for money and your money will save their show. Or, and they begin to give you this guilt complex. Sow a seed and, and you'll be blessed and your breakthrough will come. Watch their words. You have a destiny. Just use the I am statements and it will all happen for you. Just think positively and it will work out. If you give, I will give you a piece of the cross or water from the Jordan. They, and they, they offer all these different things. Pete here is revealing the motivation behind these swindlers of our day. 2,000 years later, greed will never be satisfied like these men, like the stomach will never be satisfied. We see here these false teachers were driven by a covetousness heart, a covetous heart. We see that in verse 3 at the beginning, right? That's what motivated these false teachers. What was their motivation? Greed. That was their character qualities of the false. Greed, covetousness, that's another word for greed. They desire for more. In fact, 
Um, the word covetousness is mentioned 10 times in the New Testament and not in a favorable sight. In fact, remember the parable of the, the rich young fool in Luke chapter 12, who, who had all this money and he, he built these vats and put all his grain and, and everything was in it to store his wealth, to, to, to eat, drink, and be merry. But Jesus said to him, take heed and beware of, your, of covetousness for one's life does not consist of the abundance of the things he possesses. These false teachers are about building their wealth, about living in multi-million dollar mansions and, and buying jet planes and, and justifying their wealth. We are called to steward God's money and to serve with God's money, not to hoard God's money, not to use it for selfish gain. There's a mission of the false teacher. We see the motivation of the false teacher was, was greed, but we see also see the mission of false teacher was exploitation. They wanted to exploit God's people. That was their conduct. That's how they lived. The word exploit means to take advantage of your generosity and your compassionate heart, right? The word exploit means to commercialize, to carry on a business and make it, in some sense, a, a corrupt business. Basically, it's kind of like using God's house as a, a place of merchandising. You remember, Jesus went in the temple twice at the beginning of his ministry and at the end of ministry, turning over tables saying you turned my house into a, a den of thieves. They, 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 he was angry by what was going on. What were they doing? They, the, these two false teachers and shepherds here were fleecing the flock. They pervert the promise of God to manipulate the people. Their mission is not to feed the flock, but to fleece the flock. And these teachers didn't love the people. They loved money. You know, we are, we're challenged today as shepherds to love the people and to be shepherds of the people. And so we see here greed was their mission. What was their method of the false teacher? It was deception. It was deception by the perversion of God's word, by twisting it, the word of truth. They were deceptive words. They were kind of like these camouflage Christians. They, they didn't want to be seen for who they really are. It is said that the devil is never more satanic than when he carries a Bible. <laughs> Think about the temptation of Jesus. Satan knew the word of God, yet he perverted the scriptures for his prideful, selfish gain. He used deceptive words, right? Fabricated words to fit the hearer's desire. That's what these false teachers do. Stories that they have made up. The, the fact is that these, uh, these deceptive words are fiend words that can be translated a plastic word or artificial word. That's what the Greek words for means for deceptive word. You th remember you go to the 99 cent store and you buy those cheap plastic toys that you buy at a 90 cent and they don't last? Their words are so cheap and fraudulent, it doesn't last. Micah 3.11 says this, you rulers make decisions based on bribes. You priests teach God's laws only for a price and your prophets won't prophesy unless you are paid. You know what it says for a teacher, for, for an elder, for an overseer in 1 Timothy chapter 3? One of the requirements for leadership and pastorship is not to be greedy for money. That's what it says in the scriptures. And you see these false teachers living out here. Living out what they're—they're they're living out their their mission, right? They're—they're—they're they're, they're living out their motive, 
and they're living out their method of how they're just, just exploiting God's people. But as we close, many of these false teachers will be damned for their work, and I know that's a hard word, right? It's a hard word. We see it in verse 3, the latter part of verse 3. James 4.1 says, Brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. My role and the pastor's role as we teach is that we're accountable to the words that we share with you. The words that come out of our mouths, that we're going to stand before God and we're going we're to share with you the things of truth. And I hope they're from the word of God. In fact, he talks about condemnation here. Or to be condemned is the same word for judgment. They will be sentenced for their service of deception. Like a credit card, they're creating wrath that will come and the debt, the debt will need to be paid. That day is coming. And destruction will come eventually, right? God is not sleeping. He's very much aware of what is being done falsely in his name and misrepresentation of his kingdom. See, Peter is writing here in the first three verses, kind of an overview of what he's really going to start getting into in chapter, chapter three and chapter two. We're going to look at this judgment next week as we get into verse 4 and 5 and, and 6 and 7. We're going to break those up in two parts as we look at the story of angels and, and Noah and, and all these different things. He goes, hey, listen, if, if this is what the judgment is going to look like if we don't teach the word of God. So as I close this, this morning, I want to challenge you this morning with this word. Number one, destructive teachers will preach a false gospel. Listen to their words. Listen to what they're saying. How does it line up with scripture? Number two, destructive teachers will lead many away from the truth. Hey, just because there's a multitude in a house of God doesn't mean it's speaking the truth. There's a lot of people in different churches and even in the cults. They'll listen to anything. Be careful. Doesn't, doesn't validate. We have to be like the Bereans to be able to discern their message and line it up with scripture. And number three, destructive teachers will exploit people for their selfish gain. How are they treating their people? How are they servicing their people? That's my, my challenge for you uh, this morning as we're looking at these false teachers and false prophets in chapter two of Second Peter. And my challenge to you is that we are to grow in the knowledge in the Lord Jesus Christ to be able to discern um, those and what they're teaching. That's my challenge to the church that, see, the reason he's writing these things is that we would be mature believers. We're able to see and say, wait a minute, what, what are you saying? Is this truth? And I could align it up with scriptures. And we could be contenders and defenders of the faith because we know the word of God. And so that's my challenge uh, with you this morning as we're looking at some of these false teachers that we've been able to look at, at them and say, okay, these are the characteristics, these are the traits, this is their method and their mission and, 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 and how they're going, bringing things about. We can discern that now. And as you watch, you'll be able to be um, wise believers. So blessings to you this morning. We're going to partake of communion here. So let me just pray. Our Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you again for our time together. Thank you for New Vision family. Thank you for those that are listening online. And I pray for those that are listening that maybe don't know you, that, Lord, um, that you would just touch their hearts, that the words that I bring this morning, they will be able to understand what the gospel is, what the true gospel is. The true gospel is that you came in the flesh because you loved us. You left heaven to come to earth, to put on flesh, 
and that you were persecuted and you spoke about another kingdom, a kingdom that was to come, not a kingdom of this earth. And that man was separate from you. So you had to, to pay the penalty of death for the wages of sin of death. And so you went to the cross and you paid that debt. And then you were buried in the ground and then you rose again on the third day for the forgiveness of sin. And then you went to be with the father and then you're coming back again for your people and your church and that you made a way by faith to have a relationship for you are the door to heaven. And so that is the gospel that we're to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow you and not live in a way of self gain, but to be selfless to put others first before ourselves, That is the mind and the heart of God. So I pray for your church today. I pray for our church today, Lord, that we walk in a manner that's worthy of the gospel, that we never bring shame to the gospel. May our lives be attractive to the people that, we, that they will hunger and thirst for this thing. We thank you, we praise you, and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.